be going through. And so it seems like this whole book is nothing but list. And so I'm going to address that a little bit today. But in, in chapter 11, you know, we looked at the placement of the people. You know, I talked about how many people had went back with Zerubbabel and with Ezra, and a few people with Nehemiah, and there was around 50,000 people in the land, and there wasn't enough people to sustain the, the, the city of Jerusalem. They needed more people there to sustain it because you got the temple there, you've got the government of, of Israel all there, and so they needed more people. And so basically, uh, that was the problem. And then we, we saw the solution last week where, where they cast lots to see who got chosen to stay in, in Jerusalem. And one in how many? You guys remember? One in how many? One in, one in ten. And so one in ten people or men and their families were asked to stay in Jerusalem just to get Jerusalem uh, built up so it would be able to function the way that it needed to. And so, you know, that had to be heartbreaking, especially if you had land, houses, and everything, other places, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got cast, you got chosen, well, we want you to move here, you know. And can you imagine it'd be like somebody coming to your house and going, you know, we don't have enough people in downtown Kansas City right now and we need you to move there. Oh my gosh. I'm like, we'd be packing, but we wouldn't be heading. I wouldn't want to be heading to downtown Kansas City. We'd probably be, where are we going, Carrie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if that happened to me, I'm like, we're packing and we're going somewhere, but I sure don't want to go there. But these guys did it, you know, so they, they went to, to Jerusalem. And that's why it said in chapter 11 that, you know, they, they blessed them because that was a big deal in their life. And so we're going to look at chapter 12 today and tried to get through it. And so uh, there's 47 verses in chapter 12 and a lot of names. So just bear with me a little bit and I'm going to go 1 through 9 and, and uh, we'll back up and see what we can dig out of this. Chapter 12, Nehemiah. And for those of you on the tape that I just started, we're in Nehemiah chapter 12, lesson 17, and today is February 25th, 2024. Nehemiah 12.1 says, Now these are the priests and the Levites that went up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hatash, Shechaniah, Reham, Merimoth, Ido, Genetho, Abijah, Maya Memn, Maeda, Bilga, Shemiah, and Joe. Joiah Rib, Jediah, Salu, Amic, Hilkiah, Jediah, and these were the chief of the priests of their brethren in the days of Jeshua. Moreover, the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, I'm sorry, Benui, Kedmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, Mataniah, 
which was over the thanksgiving, he and his brethren, also Bukiah and Uni, their brethren, which were over against them in the watches. I'm going to stop there. So, I... I switched Bibles and brought one with me that has some helps me pronounce these. Of course, I still butchered most of them. But I'm like going through this list. And I'm like, I'm looking at these. And basically what I read was, and I think it's on your handout, that in verses 1 through 9, these are priests and Levites. They're listed out by their names and specifically the heads, uh, the heads of them. Okay. And so, um, and then we have in this list, we have the heads of the families that returned with, and you have a blank, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel goes in your blank. Okay. Everybody know how to spell Zerubbabel? Yeah, because it's in verse 1. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's got to be somebody in the class. Okay. And he is a grandson of Jehoiakim. Now, who was Jehoiakim? He was king. He's one of the king, he's one of the last kings before they brought them over, to, before Nebuchadnezzar came in and took them away captive. And he is a terrible king. Yeah. Right at the end, there was. And so, Zerubbabel is a grandson of this guy. And so, you go, okay, so how do you know he's the grandson of this guy? So, go back in your Bible to First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 3, and I think that's in your handout. I think I put that in there. First Chronicles three sixteen and nineteen. In fact, let's go back and read verse one first. Uh, First Chronicles three one says, "Now these were the sons of David, which were born unto him in Hebron, the firstborn Ammon and Hanoam, and so forth." So basically, what we're seeing here is a line of David. Okay, so let's go down to sixteen and seventeen. It says, "And the sons of Jehoiakim, Jeconiah." He's, he's quite a character. And his son, Zedekiah, his son, and the sons of Jeconiah, Aser, Salathiel, his son, Malchiram also, and Pedadiah, and Shenazar, Jeconiah, if I get that right, Hoshima, and Nedabiah, the sons of Pedadiah were Zerubbabel. So there's Zerubbabel showing up in the lineage of David. Okay, so uh, turn back to Ezra chapter 2 and verse 1 and we'll see this guy again. Now, you guys may already know, have kind of seen who Zerubbabel is. Ezra chapter 2 and verse 1 says, now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away with whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away into Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one into a city, which came with 
Zerubbabel. And so you'll also see the ones that came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sarai. And so I, I kind of threw those in there because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But basically what we're seeing with this guy, Zerubbabel, is when he, he came back. He was the leader of the group that came back in the book of Ezra. And he was in the kingly line, okay? And so we see him right off the bat back in Nehemiah chapter 12. And so I just want to establish that. And so what we're dealing with here is a group of priests, a group of Levites, and a group of people that came back under Zerubbabel, under Ezra, and under Nehemiah, and they're just kind of all mixed together here. And so that's why going through parts of Ezra and Nehemiah uh, mesh together, and then sometimes they don't appear to mesh together because you've got a time span in there. And uh, I've been pulling my hair out trying to get which one's which. And so uh, the first the guy here that you see in the list is Zerubbabel. And then from uh, the families themselves return uh, with... Uh, let me back up. The families themselves from the return with Zerubbabel then up to Nehemiah's time are listed out basically in verses 10 through 26. And so... Uh, Let's see if I want to read that because I think that's a long list too. Nehemiah 12. Well, let's read it. Nehemiah 12.10 And Joshua begat Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim also begat Elishabib. And Elishabib begat Joada. And Joada begat Jonathan. Or Jonathan. And John, Jonathan begat Jedua, and in the days of Joachim were priests, and the chief of the fathers of Sariah, Mariah, of Jeremiah, Hananiah, and of Ezra, Meshalem, of Amariah, uh, Jehohanan, of Melaku, Jonathan, of Shebaniah, Joseph, of Haram, Adna, of Merioth, Helkeah, of Idu, Zechariah, of Jenathan, Meshulam, of Abiah, Zechari, of Minamim, and of Moadiah, Piltei, of Bilgai, or Bilga, Shamua, of Shamua, Jehonathan, and of Joarib, Matane, and of Jediah, Uzi, of Saliah, Kalei, and of Amak, Eber, of Hilkiah, Hashabiah, of Jedediah, Nathaniel, verse 22, and the Levites in the days of Elishib, or Eliashib, Joadiah, Johanan, Johanan, and Jadua were recorded chief of the fathers, also the priest, to the reign of Darius the Persian. The sons of Levi, the chief of the fathers, were written in the book of the Chronicles, even into the days of Johanan, the son of Elishib, 
and the days of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brethren over against them to praise and to give thanks according to commandment of David, the man of God, word over against word. And I'm going to stop there because I am just butchering these names. But in the name, on these names, we've got a group of people, priests and Levites, that go from Zerubbabel and maybe even past that, back in, on the other side of the exile, up until this time period. And so I see in this list, there, there are multiple names. Or let me say this. Multiple names with different people. Does that make sense? For instance, on your handout, there are several Jeshuas. So if you're sitting here trying to figure this out, I guarantee you, you will pull your hair out. Okay? So there is a Jeshua, a priest who returned with Zerubbabel back in Ezra 3.2. There's also a Jeshua, and I believe this man is a Levite, but I didn't put it down here. I just ended up putting a man because I can pretty well guarantee you he was a man. I just can't really say he's a Levite at this point. Who returned with Zerubbabel also in Ezra 2.6. There is also a Jeshua who is a Levite, the father of Ezer, who helped repair the wall in Nehemiah 3.19. There's also a Jeshua, a Levite, who helped explain the law in Nehemiah 8.7. And then there is a Jeshua, a Levite, who signed the covenant back in chapter 10, verse 9. And the name Jeshua means God is help. And so you're probably sitting here thinking, well, Bob, you know, there's probably like three or four of these guys that are the same guy. Well, I thought that too. But when you go back and look at them, they all have different fathers. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the name of John, probably, or, or, you know, or Bob. Yeah, at least Bob would have been so much better. I could have read that. And so, you see a bunch of different guys with the same name, and yet, of course, it probably, you know, how many people that, you know, you, you have a, you have a William, then you have a William Jr., and you have a William the first, second, third, you know? And that just drives my wife crazy when people have, she goes, how do you keep everybody separate? Give them their separate name. Um, uh, in my, in my family and, and in my, uh, I think I'm the only Bob on my side, but my, my daughter married a man and his father's name is Bob. So my, so her father, her father's name is Bob and her father-in-law's name is Bob. And she has a brother-in-law by the name of Rob. And so we were all kidding him. So if Lily would have been a boy, we would be like, so you thinking of naming him? Robert? Oh, no. (laughs) But that's kind of what's going on here. I mean, how many Roberts, Bobs can you get in your family? I don't know. You know, kind of like my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl. I mean, it's kind of like that. And so, uh, and so you see this list, but the Bible is very specific and it's listing them off. Okay. And so why did God list them all out? I'm sitting here thinking in my brain, okay. Why did God do this? Why did He list them out? And why are they all recorded in their Bible? And why are they there? Because I can't pronounce their names and I'm going through it. It's driving me nuts. Okay? Probably driving you guys nuts. Okay? So why did God list them out? Well, number one, Zerubbabel was in the... You have a blank. 
And what line did I say he was in? He's in David's line. So Davidic would fit there, but who's David? He's a king. Okay, so Zerubbabel was in the kingly line of not just David, but also of Christ. Okay, and so again, turn over to Matthew and we're going to look at another list. I'm not going to read them out, I promise. Okay, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 12. Is it? Okay, Roger, would you stand up? Um, so let's, let's, uh, where are we at? Matthew 1 12 says, And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Selathiel, and Selathiel begat who? Zerubbabel, okay, that's Zerubbabel. That's the Greek spelling of, the, of Zerubbabel and being in Hebrew. And so it's the same guy. And notice it's after they went to Babylon. So I'm thinking this guy Zerubbabel probably was born in Babylon, okay? But he's in what what genealogy are we at in Matthew? Well, look at one. Well, yes, but look at verse one. It says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. So the generate the bloodline that Zerubbabel's in is not only David's but in Christ. In fact, Zerubbabel in in Ezra and uh, the book of Nehemiah is a type or a picture of Christ. You'll you'll find that out. And so, but you you think okay. So what about in Luke? Because don't you see kind of the bloodline of somebody in Luke 3? You know, in Matthew 1, we got the bloodline. Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but one of them is the bloodline of, of uh, Joseph and the other is the bloodline of Mary if we study it out. Um, since I don't have my regular Bible with me, it's probably not in my notes. Luke's with Mary? Okay. And so, where, where did I say? Luke 3... Verse 27. And it's going down another one of those long lists. And it says, Which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of Reza, which was the son of Zerubbabel, which again is Zerubbabel. So again, Zerubbabel is in the kingly line of Christ. So why did God list him out? back in Ezra and Nehemiah. Well, number one, he led the people back. But it's more important than that. He's in the kingly line. Okay, He's in, I think our pastor Brian talks about uh, the Messiah Highway. I don't know if you guys ever heard him say that. Okay, good. I thought maybe it was just me. But it's been a while since I've heard him say that. You know, But that's one of his little phrases he uses. Uh, so Zerubbabel was uh, listed out specifically... And, and then the priests and the Levites were used or, or listed, I think, because they were to lead the worship. Worship goes in your blank. So Zerubbabel's listed because he's in the kingly line of Christ. The priests and the Levites are listed because they were used to lead the worship to the Lord. Our next bullet point there says, God is very concerned about His Son, goes in the blank. 
And he's very interested in those people who lead his worship and teach his laws. So, my thinking, why did God put all these names, list them all out in here? God wastes no space in his book, right? There's a reason God puts them in there. Number one, the bloodlines of Zerubbabel is the bloodline of Christ. He lists him in the Bible everywhere he's at. Then you got the priests and the Levites. They were instrumental in the worship. And guess what? God takes notice of those people. And He puts them in. Okay? And so God is very concerned about His Son and those people in the Bible that have anything to do with His Son. Now you notice you don't see anything in the Bible uh, about any other ancient, you know, people or history except for God's people. And and God is concerned about His people. He's concerned about the genealogy of His Son. And He's concerned about any worship that's involved in the worship of Himself or His Son. That's why I think they're in the book. You can You can teach class someday and then you can tell why you think so. But how important are we? So that brings me up to the point. How important are we? Are we in God's family? Mm-hmm. Okay. We are in God's family, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Has anybody got a verse to tell me? Show me that? Come the sons of God. Okay. Come on, this is the, this is the, the advanced class. I'm going to start saying that. I used to say that when I came in here, but it's not quite the advanced in the way I used to mean it. But, uh, uh, yeah. We are in God's family. So, let's go over to the book of John. Okay. John chapter 3. 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Okay. So he's talking to Nicodemus, telling him he has to be born again. And how are we, how do we get into God's family? By birth, right? Okay. And so, uh, turn over to 1 Peter 1.23. I'll have one of you read that when you get there. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Okay. And then turn over to First John three nine. Have somebody read that one. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay, so I just throwed some verses out there that we should all know, because we're all in God's family, right? And why are we in God's family? Because we're born again. again. Okay, because you'll talk to people and they'll go, oh, we're all in God's family. 
now. And of course, discipleship tells us that, right? You have to be born into God's family, okay? And so, okay, so if everyone's in here, if you're born in God's family, raise your hand. Okay, that's all of us, okay? I hope, okay, I'm checking everybody. Alright, um, so that's good. So, we're in God's family. Do we worship His Son? Okay. Do we teach God's laws? Okay. Do we teach God's words? Okay. And then I put, do we publish God's Word? And what do I mean by when I say publish? I know we have a Bible publishing ministry, but what does that mean to publish? Okay, speak, to declare. Okay. We're, we're, we're using our mouth. So we publish God's Word. We speak God's Word by our mouth, by our hands. That's, that is Bible ministry, so we're putting them together. Uh, but we, we speak it with our words. We can actually, you know, publish God's words with our hands and, and specifically by our life. God, people look at our life to see who we are. We are a child of God because we were born into His family. We accepted Him as our Son. And I bring all this up, and it's just basic D1 material. I know that. But if that's us, then we are also, you have a blank, written in God's book. So when we sit through this long list of stuff that we've been going through, and we've been, I know I've been torturing you guys going through it, reading these out in Nehemiah. But when we go through this long list, each one of these people are important to God. And He has them in a book for a reason. And it just kind of makes me wonder, I know my name's written in a book, but is there anything else about me written in a book? Or about you in a book? You know, do you think it's, you know, Bob got saved, uh, I don't know, you know, 1971, such and such a date. Um... And then what else does it say? He likes to go to McDonald's uh, and eat Big Macs. I don't know. what What's in the book? That's been all wiped out. That's been wiped out? Yeah. Okay. Is it? Well, that was a long time ago. Right. Yeah, that was that was a long time ago. And I I don't even go there to get a biscuit anymore, Rex. That's that's kind of a joke. You quit going since the hamburgers are fifteen cents. Well, last time, <laughs> one time, Rick, Rick, what happened to you when you went there to get a biscuit once? Didn't you hit your head, and fall down, forget who you were? Maybe. No, no, you locked. <laughs> <laughs> you lo- you locked your keys in the car. <laughs> you locked your keys in the car, if I remember right. Maybe I hit my head. I don't know, but yeah. Rex was late getting to a Bible assembly one day, and he goes, "I was wanting to get here earlier, but I stopped by, I stopped by McDonald's to get a biscuit, and locked my keys in the car." And I go, "See, you shouldn't be going to McDonald's." <laughs> now, see, I'll remember that, Rex, and I'll forget your name. I, I just... Okay, so so when you're reading the list in the Bible. My whole point in all this is these people are important to God. He wrote them down in a book. We are also written down in a book. So it kind of, it kind of helps you. Okay. Yeah. I'll read the list because God thought it was important enough to put them in the book. 
and I, God thinks it's important enough to, for me to be in a book. And so, yeah, let's read it. So that's why I try to read most of these. I was thinking of John one twelve was the one I couldn't remember all that. Okay. What's it say? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even of them that believe on his name. So we are the sons of God. Yeah. So not only, and he has that, he has us written in a book. And so the question is, how many times does he have us written in a book? Oh, that's just, that's here and there. So long as you're written in a book, you know, that's good. So on, on the next page, we'll keep rolling. And then we get to the middle of the chapter here, back in Nehemiah. Let me get back where we're at. And we're not going to finish this all up today because there's just too much here. But at chapter, uh, verse 27 of the chapter that we are in, it talks about, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of their places. And, and it goes on. And let me just stop for a minute. So now we see that there's a dedication of the wall going on. So, like any normal guy that reads the Bible, or let me put it this way, any unnormal guy that writes or that reads the Bible, I've got to figure out what else is dedicated in the Bible. Does your brain work that way? You're reading stuff along, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, now i got to stop and look at this. Mm-hmm. My brain's just kind of weird it does that. We need to get way off on something else. <laughs> you're on about 12 rabbit trails, and, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you forgot where you were at to start with? That's me. So I, I looked up some places, other dedication services... In the Bible. Now, we just had a kind of a dedication service last Sunday night with Pastor Randy, you know. And so, uh, that was last week, right? Yeah. It seems like it's been six months ago to me for some reason. But, um, <laughs> not to what? Not to me. Not to you? <laughs> I know, and then you had yesterday, so. Okay. So, what other things are, services were in the Bible? Well, number one, the tabernacle, they, de- they had a dedication service for the tabernacle back in number 7 and verse 10. So go back and look at that. And when somebody gets there, I'll just have you go ahead and read it. Number 7 and verse 10. The princess offered for dedicating of the altar in the day that it was anointed. Even the princes offered their offering before the altar. Okay. So when when Moses set up the tabernacle, which is the tent, you know, the the before the temple they had the tabernacle. When they had that all put together, they had a big ceremony, they had a dedication service, and it basically says specifically though for the altar, not the tabernacle. Which is kind of interesting. But yet, when you read Leviticus, and you'll find out that the way to God is through sacrifice. So the whole focus of the tabernacle was the altar. Okay? And so, um, let's see. Where were we at? Number 7. Let's go back to verse 1. I should have read this before I had you read. Um, and it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them. And then we got down to the verse you're reading. And specifically, they, the dedication, they dedicated the altar at this dedication service. 
Number two, the house of God, which is the temple, you know, David's temple, the one that he set up and then Solomon ended completing it. That, they had a big dedication for that. Now that would have been a cool place to have been in the Bible to see something. Have you ever thought about if you had a ch- chance to go back and see an event in the Bible, where would you go? Again, maybe that's just my brain. I'm like, you know, seeing the dedication of Solomon's temple would have been a grand thing. I mean, it would have been awesome. Um, so let's go back and look at that in First Kings, I think is our... our yeah, anybody there? Okay, read that. Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord. Two and twenty thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Yeah, that was that was quite a sacrifice at that time, and so that's just part of it. Okay, so we also see uh, them dedicating that the same thing in Second Chronicles seven five, and so uh, you know First Kings and uh, Kings and Chronicles basically are the same time period, uh, and if I'm not correct, Kings is basically on the on the kings of, of Judah. Chronicles is basically on David's life, if I remember right. And then I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 30. Okay. Psalms chapter 30. And I just want to look at the title. Well, I do want to do more than that. But the title in mind, you know, the little, uh, title to, to the chapter says, a psalm and song at the dedication of the house of David. Does your Bible say that? Okay. And so this song went on, and let me just read a couple verses. Verse 1, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. Skip down to verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Go down to the last verse. And to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. And so this was, this was a song that David wrote for the dedication of the temple, which I don't think he was at. But yet he wrote this song. Or this, that went there. And he, and also David provided a lot of the uh, materials that went into the to the temple also, but so we see that there, and then so the first time we see a, a dedication, and then number three, the house of God, the temple. The second time we see that in Ezra chapter six, verse sixteen. So let's go back and look at that. We could spend a lot of time on these dedication services. So whoever has that passage, just go ahead and read it. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy and offered at the dedication of this house of God a hundred bullets, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve he goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. 
Okay, well thank you. So again, so we see another dedication of the house of God the second time. You know, the Bible says that the people that actually saw the first temple basically cried at this one because it was so pitiful compared to Solomon's temple. And yet, you know, God told them, hey, the temple's back up and going. Don't worry so much what the temple looks like. That's that's really not the point. So we see the tabernacle, we see the temple, and then number four is the wall in Nehemiah twelve twenty seven, which we're going to look at next week. And so that's one of the dedications. And then I wanted to throw these other two out. Number five is the image of the colossal man in Daniel three two and three. So turn over in your Bible to Daniel, and let's look at that. Since we're looking at dedication services in the Bible. Now this particular one's not a good one. Okay. Daniel 3, 2 and 3. In fact, this is back up to 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and treasurers, and the counselors, and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Let's see, do I have the next one down? Okay, so you know the story. Okay, so let's read the next. Did I read three yet? Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, and the counselors, and the sheriffs. Even God's concerned with all these people. Okay? And all the rulers of the province were gathered together into the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, there's an idol being set up and they're having a dedication service. Okay? And then the last one I saw in the Bible, and we'll stop probably here, is the Feast of Dedication. Have you guys heard that in the Bible? Does that ring a bell? Okay, the Feast of Dedication, which is the Feast of Lights. Turn over to John chapter 10, 22. And I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick because I'm running out of time. Let's see if I got the right cross-reference. Yes. And so, uh, Jesus is here. Verse 22 says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Okay? So here in the New Testament, we see a dedication also come up, and it's the feast of dedication. It's also called the feast of lights. And can any of you tell me what feast that is today? They still celebrate it. Hanukkah. Hanukkah goes in your blank. Okay? So that are, that's the only ones I could find in the Bible where they had dedication services. Okay? And so, if you want to uh, not really give you homework this week, but just read the rest of the chapter. And we're going to deal with this uh, service next week. And we're going to see, is there anything different between this service the, the, the service of the dedication of the wall and the dedication of the temple back with Ezra. I am going to give you homework. So if you're, if you're one of those overachievers, 
See if you can find what the difference is between the two of them. Okay? And we'll go from there. Yeah, between uh, the, the temple with Ezra and the dedication of the wall with Nehemiah. What's, uh, now, now, one's definitely the temple and one is the wall, but is there any other differences between the dedication? I know, I'm making you guys think a little bit. Because um, I'm just, I just wanted to know. No. <laughs> Again, that's one of those questions I'm racking my brain. Okay, so what, what? What made me think about that is, what's the big deal about dedicating the wall? And I think it's not so much the wall as it is what they're doing at the dedication service. So, and I will enlighten you some more on that next week. So, uh, but if you want to get ahead, work that out. Again, again, if you don't get anything out of today, all the lists in the Bible that we always go through and we always want to just turn the page, you always want to, you know, take a nap because these bore us to tears. There's still a reason why God put them in there. And those people are important to God. And that makes me feel good. You know why? Because it, it makes us important to God. And yet, uh, that makes me feel good. I don't know. I, I just love it that God thinks of me, which I'm a nobody, to put me in his book, to bring me in his family, and he thinks about me as, you know, as a, basically as a friend. And I'm like, that that is so amazing. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get dismissed. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your book. We, we just thank you for the, the, uh, just the depth of your word, Lord. And I pray that, I pray for everyone that's here, Lord, that when we read your book, and we we study your book and we see what it has for us, Lord. We know that you will give us little nuggets in your book, that you'll just give us truth out of your book because that's really the only place that we can find truth. And Lord, we, we just praise you that we do have your book that we can have in our hands to know who you are, to know what are, you want from us, and to know what's going to happen in the near future. And Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for the promises of your book, Lord, and I just pray that we would live our lives based upon that. I pray you give us a good rest of the day, a good week, Lord, and we just ask your blessing on it. In Christ's name, amen.